Today we're going to look at the qualifications of uh, the, the pastor and the deacons and with specifically emphasizing what it means to be the husband of one wife. Um, now, off the bat, let me just tell you that uh, in these descriptions here that we, we read, they use the term elder sometimes and they use the term bishop. In my estimation, these, these offices, the office of pastor, uh, I think there's one time in the New Testament that the word pastor is used. It's used more often. It's used again in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament it's used once. There's other terms like elder, bishop, presbyter, and things like that that are used. And in my estimation, in my understanding of things, all of these words are kind of synonymous with one another. They basically describe the same office. And so when you hear the word bishop, uh, I, I'm thinking that uh, that is describing the same office. Or when you hear the word elder, I think that is describing the same office as being a pastor. In my thinking, in my estimation of things, there are two offices within the church that of being pastor and deacon. And I understand how in some other churches they have other offices they've established within their, within their church structure. There are some churches who have the office of bishop. You know, they, they recognize uh, there's individuals who call themselves a bishop. There are some churches who have an elder system who not only do they have a pastor, but they have elders. And some churches have three offices. They have the pastor, the elder, and the um, uh, deacon. Some churches just have elders and deacons, where the elder, the preaching or the teaching elder, is, that's just what he does. He takes care of the preaching and teaching, and, and uh, other elders take care of other aspects of the ministry. And, you know, in my thinking on that, it's fine. Whatever system people have, a, they all have their scriptural references and their, and their backing for what they, what they have in place and, and, their, and stuff. And I'm not speaking against anything, uh, any other church structure. But uh, when I'm reading these verses for us, and, it's to, and it uses the word bishop, I want you to think in terms of a pastor. If it uses the term elder, I want you to think in terms of the word pastor. But irregardless of what system a, a, a church organization uses, these qualifications have got to be heard and they've got to be followed. And uh, whatever their definition of an elder is or whatever their definition of a, of a bishop is, you know, these qualifications are going to have to adhere to by what they uh, landed on in their terminology. But let's read these here real quick. It says, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, nor greedy, nor filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One of that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report with them which are without, 
lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacon be grave and and not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in the, in, in, with a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, and faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then again in the book of Titus, chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. For this cause lift I thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the, um, the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accursed of riot or unruly, uh, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not a striker, not given to filthy lucre, but the lover of hospitality and lover of, of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful words he hath been taught, that uh, he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the naysayers. And so there's the, there's the biblical... Uh, qualifications given for both the office of uh, pastor and deacon and uh, what i want to focus on in that is that that whole term the husband of one wife and all three of those descriptions all of them um, listed the husband of one wife in fact the qualifications of a pastor and a deacon are are almost identical i think with the deacon it uh, it doesn't have the being apt to teach in it, whereas a pastor or elder needs to be apt to teach, that sort of thing. Uh, but the question becomes, what does it mean to be the husband of one wife? And and you know, here's the thing: the Lord kind of left this left us in a in a spot here where we have got to try to be able to figure this out. I don't understand why he just didn't say, well, it means uh, it means polygamist. It means it means uh, divorce or something. He, he could have, he could have clarified it uh, simply like that, you know. Unless of course it's a it's a lot broader than what we think it is. Um, personally, let me just share this right up front with you. Um, I think that the husband of one wife includes divorce, and that's the main question everybody always has. Does it does it mean divorce? And and honestly. I think I think it does. Uh, there's some people who argue that no, it's it's a polygamous kind of a thing. It's a it's a one woman man is the interpretation of it, or uh, it's one woman at one time uh, kind of a thing. And, and you know what it may be. I don't know. Does it is it does it involve polygamy? Yeah, I would throw polygamy in there. I wouldn't. I think polygamy would definitely. Uh, disqualify someone uh, from serving as an, 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 uh, in the office of pastor and deacon, but also I look at the the the, uh, the thing about divorce without going and looking up all the divorce passages and stuff like that, and I can I can see how a divorce can also play in in that as well. Now let me just say this, and this is not to offend anybody. 
um, man, I, I, I love divorced people. I, Jesus loves divorced people. And, and, there, and divorce is, is not the unpardonable sin. Divorce is forgivable and has been forgiven and, and things. I think in a, in a way, Jesus even kind of halfway, the, the Lord, God had seen himself halfway as being divorced, not Jesus, but God. There's, there's some times when, when, uh, he even like accuses Israel of, uh, of uh, cheating on him and all that kind of stuff, but anyway, uh, that's just getting off the path. But the question becomes, uh, what all does it mean, and and all that. When uh, um, I, I know people who have been divorced, I know people in the ministry that have been divorced, I know pastors who have been uh, divorced. Every church I have ever been in has had divorced people in it, has had divorced um, deacons in it and things. And I understand all of that. I, uh, I understand how this is a sensitive topic because every person has been affected by divorce. In this day and time, uh, you know, years and years and years ago, when you brought up the husband of one wife, everybody automatically assumed that divorce was a part of it. But as society has changed and our culture has changed and, and things around it, we've, we've, we've uh, changed a lot of our views and thinking of what it could mean. I've known pastors who used to hold that, that uh, the husband of one wife included divorce. Then they found themselves divorced and all of a sudden their views changed. And, and things like that. But every person has been affected by divorce, and so therefore it's a very sensitive topic. It becomes very um, an, a very emotional issue. Uh, either they themselves have been divorced, their spouse has been divorced, their children have gone through a divorce, their parents were divorced, or their siblings have, have uh, gone through some terrible divorce or something like that. So every person, you can't live in this country today, not in this day and time, not with the not with uh, how much, uh, how prevalent uh, divorce and things is in our society today and not find somebody who has not been directly affected by divorce. So every person I know, and, and, and it's knocking at the pastor's house and everything else, every person I know uh, has had to deal with this. The, 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 uh, they've effect, they've uh, experienced the effects of divorce and things. And so it's a very, very sensitive kind of an of an issue but what happens is is that sometimes with divorced people they have a sense of calling and there's a lot of good people who have been divorced and and they're living for the lord now their sins have been forgiving forgiven they're uh, they're they're uh, you know using their gifts and and uh oh man they love the lord with all their heart soul mind and strength and serving people and and everything else but they've got this one issue of uh, of divorce hanging hanging over them, and they look at that kind of like that somehow they're disqualified from ministry. And I'm sitting thinking, no, you're not disqualified from ministry. Nobody is disqualified from ministry. I don't care who you are, male, female, young, old, you know, married, single, divorced. No one is is disqualified from ministry. You might be disqualified from holding the office. But you're not disqualified from ministry. You better be busy. You better be out there doing a ministry. But you're not disqualified from doing ministry. No one. So don't uh, don't get all uh, defensive and and all of that kind of stuff when it comes to this uh, husband of of one wife thing. One of the questions I get asked when I state my my belief and what if I when I state my thoughts 
is, well, if God can use a, a murderer, i.e. Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul, David, Moses, you know, God can use a murderer, he can use a divorced person. And I say, absolutely, absolutely, he sure can. And there's no sin that goes beyond God's forgiveness. The, the divorce is not the unpardonable sin, you know. Uh, so there's no sin that goes beyond God's forgiveness. Can God forgive divorce? Yes. Can He can He uh, uh, set you on course, put you on path, put ministry in your future, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yes, He can. Absolutely, He absolutely will, and He does. He He really, really does. But the the one thing that I think separates the sin of divorce from another sin has to do with ontology. If you can understand what I'm saying, ontology. You know that's that's who we are. You know, body, soul, and spirit. That's that's who we are. The 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 um, the married person, someone who is married, is ontologically different than someone who is single, and it has to do with that two becoming one flesh, that one flesh relationship that a husband and wife have. Two becoming one, becoming one flesh. So a married person is ontologically different than a single person. And when divorce comes along, um, that changes the ontology radically. Uh, divorce is like some kind of a radical amputation, and it's painful, it's brutal. It's like, it's like somebody coming up and ripping, ripping your arm off or something. And anybody who's been divorced knows the pain and everything of divorce. You know, and it is. It changes you. It it, it affects you who you are, and so um, it's 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 radical. And if there's a difference between uh, the sin of divorce as opposed to any other sin, it has to do with ontology, and you're going to have to kind of wrestle with that and everything yourself. Well, the question becomes, can the person be forgiven of all that? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely, the, 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 your sins can be forgiven, and, and all sins can be forgiven. You know, all we got to do is confess, or confess, and He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But then the question becomes, well, does He put the arm back on? Can, can He put the arm back on? And, I say, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, you need to think about this for a minute. Uh, you know, I think he can bring healing to you. I think he can he can restore, you know, uh, and and all that kind of stuff. But it does. I think that also that some of our past sins, some of the sins that we've had in the past, uh, there's still a physical consequence to that. And that's one of the questions that people ask sometimes too. Well, what if their divorce and everything happened before they got saved? You know. Well, thank God they got saved and changed their life, turned their life around, and on path now living for the Lord and all that kind of stuff. But if their sin took place before they got uh, saved, um, does that change things? Well, not not in the sense of ontology, it doesn't change. the 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 way that it changes your, the ontology now is when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. Then that changes your ontology. But the sin of divorce is still there, and the physical effects of that consequence that sin is still there as well and uh, and uh, and that's true with that's true with any sin that's true with with everything our old sins kind of have a way of coming back up and knocking on our door whether whether you think it's fair or not i i look at someone who let's say someone's in prison 
and they've murdered somebody and they're on death row and they've set a date and they're awaiting execution well before that execution date comes that individual gets saved I'm talking like he gets turned around on fire for Jesus he gets saved all over changes his life he's giving testimony he's witnessing to the guards he's witnessing to the other uh, prisoners he's doing television interviews and everything else and he's being a witness to the Lord leading people to Christ and evangelizing and there's no doubt the guy is completely other he's completely different than the person who committed the crime in fact if you looked at him uh, today you'd never guess that that individual right there committed such a, a hideous offense that created did such a hideous uh, crime or something like that but just because somebody gets saved and get their lives turned around doesn't mean they they cancel the execution they stop the execution date because there's still a, a physical consequence to our our uh, the sins that we have done in the flesh our sins can be forgiven but the consequences some of those physical consequences uh, still still remain and uh, surely everybody can can relate to that and i'm thinking the same thing is true when it comes to the sin of divorce you can you can have your sins forgiven you can get turned around you can get you living for the lord get fam praise praise god for it but sometimes the consequences of our sin uh remain and that's just some of my my thinking and you guys can do with that whatever you want but I, I, I have issues. Sometimes people come up to me and they'll say things that they, a divorced person and they know they're called. They know they're supposed to be a pastor and everything. And I said, well, you know, well, you know, God's going to use you in ministry. He's got a calling on your life. There's no doubt in my mind that you don't have a calling on your life. But why are you trying to restrict yourself to being a pastor? Uh, why are you seeking after an office or something? Uh, I've had uh, divorced people who wanted to be a deacon or something, and they they couldn't understand why they couldn't be a deacon, and I, they would carry it around like a chip on their shoulder. Well, deacon, you're not restricted from ministry. You're just you may be you may be restricted from holding an office. You may be disqualified from holding an office. That's just one small little detail. That's just one small aspect. You know, the, the, the whole ministry thing is wide open for you. You can go anywhere, do anything, preach, teach, uh, lead, uh, you know, whatever God wants you to do, you can, you can do that. But I have people who have said that, that they think that they're supposed to be a pastor and they start working toward that goal of being a pastor. And I'll tell them, you know, maybe you're misplacing your calling. If you, decide to pursue after being a pastor or something you could very well misplace your calling and miss entirely uh, what the lord has in store for you and completely completely miss it i had one time i had a guy he was a police officer up here in, in dallas and uh, he came to some discipleship classes that i was teaching and uh, man this guy was a great great guy but he had a testimony you know he he was stupid when he was younger got into all kinds of divorced his wife and all these kind of things and uh, and now he radically turned around loves the lord and 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 everything great great guy super good guy good friend of mine even but he was determined he was going to be a pastor and i told him i said i know i said i honestly look at the the divorce as being a disqualification 
But my, my suggestion to you is you just prepare for ministry. You just prepare and you let God place you where he wants you to be. And at the time, he was doing a lot of itinerary preaching. He was uh, filling pulpits and uh, supply preaching at other other churches and things like that. Man, he had a great, great ministry going just doing that. But he had that desire. Oh, he thought he had to be a pastor and thought he had to be a pastor. Well, you know what the Lord did to him? The Lord turned him around and he put him in a position. He took over a missions organization. And now he goes up into northern New Mexico, northern Arizona, and he's working with the American Indian tribes. And he is, I don't even know what the name of his organization is, but it's American Indian Missions something like that. And so he makes all these trips up, taking supplies and conducting services and preaching and doing things amongst the American Indians. This guy is so content. He is so fulfilled. He is so happy in the Lord because, uh, man, the Lord has uh, put him where in a place that is just perfectly suited for him and everything. And I've even said something to him. I said, man, just think how you would have misplaced that if you'd have pursued after being a pastor, if you'd have insisted upon being a pastor, how much that would have of, uh, of, uh, messed you up or something like that. And then I think he can see that now. I, I've heard people, I've had pastors come up to me and say that uh, they feel that they feel like they're called to be a, a, a pastor. And uh, so what the, when I talk to them about it, and they insist that, uh, that they, they, they're supposed to be a pastor, my advice I give them is what you need to do is become more missionary-minded, not pastoral-minded, but missionary-minded. Launch out there somewhere. Uh, go north. Go to some of those northern states up there where, where they can't even hardly find a pastor. There's nobody that wants to go up there and serve or something like that. Go find you a hellhole somewhere and just jump in the middle of it and just knock yourself out. If someone comes up to me and says that they they're they're called to be a pastor and and in spite of that I'm you know I just say well go go right ahead and do all of those type of things if you feel that's what God wants you to do but don't restrict yourself. My fear is is that what people end up doing is that they limit themselves to the office and there, when there's so much more that the Lord would have them to do. Um, one of the things that we want to keep in mind is that there's more freedom for you in the function of ministry than there is in the office of ministry. With the office, there may be and there is uh, qualifications and disqualifications. We just read the qualifications and the disqualifications. And listen, it's only by the grace of God any of us can call ourselves a minister. None of us are 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 able to uh, be perfect and so when we read these qualifications and everything it's only by the grace of god that i can call myself a pastor you know for sure and there's plenty of other people around here probably got more qualifications than i do would probably even make a better pastor than i would but just because you have the gifts and the and things like that doesn't mean that you necessarily have the office the office is restrictive. There's times, let me tell you folks, I am envious of you. I'm, I'm envious of you. I, uh, I'm a pastor and, 
and God has put me in a, in a position as a pastor, in, a, in, a, in the office of a pastor, and with that come certain responsibilities, accountabilities. There's a, a certain measure of uh, authority and everything that comes with that that I'm, that I'm accountable for and things. But there's times that I feel confined. There's times that uh, I'm sitting there thinking I'd do anything to get out of here. There's times I feel like I'm nothing more than a curator of a museum or something. Whereas the ones who don't have the office, rather they're operating in the function of their callings, they're free. They can go anywhere. They can do anything. And there's no disqualifications. There, there may be disqualifications with the office, but there is no disqualification to the function. Every person doesn't matter you know young old married divorced single male female it, it it doesn't matter you see there's so much more freedom and that freedom is worth a ton <laughs> it's worth a ton oh if, if i could just have that kind of freedom and so the question i have sometimes and when people insist upon being and this is even people who who haven't been divorced they come with these demands or they come with some kind of a re- uh, desire or request to pursue after some kind well it's a worthy cause it's a worthy ambition uh, the scripture says but my question becomes why do you want it why would you want it you know why um, there's, there's so much more there's so much more to be gained and there's so much more freedom that can be found in just the carrying out of the function, carrying out of the, of the ministry. And so what I always try to do is try to encourage people to just do your ministry. If you feel called into the ministry, just start doing it. You don't need a title. You don't need an office. You know, uh, you operate in that freedom. And you have to submit to the authority and everything that is put over you and, and things like that. But that's, that's all here to help us. You know what I'm saying? That's all here to help guide us and things like that. But uh, it's all here to help. And so, man, I'll, I'll point people toward, toward the Lord. If someone's called to ministry, it's my job to, to get them in a place where they can do ministry. If they insist upon it being a pastorate or something like that, then I'll say, well, just get out there and, and, and start doing it, I guess. And if, and if you can't do it in one place, do it in another. But my, my fear is is that you're restricting yourself. Or you may be misplacing your whole your whole calling in life. You're so much better off just letting the Lord put you where you're supposed to be, rather than you uh, trying to um, campaign or or uh, insist upon uh, being a pastor or a deacon or an elder or anything like that. I'm telling you, you're much 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 better off in your circumstances, uh, even. Um, even 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 more so than I. So anyway, those are just some guidelines I go by. Um, everywhere I've ever been, you know, I've, there's there's been uh, divorced deacons before I got there, and I'll teach what I believe, but I don't go in there and say, "Oh, you can't be a deacon anymore." I'm not so dang legalistic and rigid that I can't uh, I can't uh, go with whatever's in place and and uh, make the best of what we have and and things and things like that the sad thing about it is is that there's a lot of good people and uh, that uh, would make good deacons you know good family men and and things like that that would make good deacons 
and the sad thing is is that there's just some things like this that prevent it from happening but that's not a disqualification for your ministry it's not all all it all it's stopping all it's restricting you from is just holding an office and man that's it that's the only thing it doesn't stop you from teaching it doesn't stop you from preaching it doesn't stop you from evangelizing it doesn't stop you from serving it doesn't stop you from serving on committee or or participating in worship or even leading worship or anything like that all all you all you all you're restricted from is just that one thing and that one thing only and that's kind of like the lord going to even saying leave that tree alone and you'll be blessed and the same thing is true for you leave that tree alone and you'll be blessed amen and god just guide us all have us help us to have compassion and a concern and lord we know how sensitive of an issue this is it's my desire that every believer uh, lord is a minister Every believer, doesn't matter who they are, young, old, male, female, a single divorce, widowed, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, Lord, every, all of us are called into the ministry. All of us need to be about doing ministry. All of us need to be participating together and sharing in ministry and working together as a body of Christ. And so, Lord, we ask you to place your servants where they're supposed to be and help us to find fulfillment in those places that you give us. Help us to know that it's made, it's cut out specifically uh, for for me. And uh, Lord, if we're in a if we're in a seeking position or we're in an area that that we shouldn't be in, uh, God, uh, keep us, uh, give us the wisdom, Lord, to stay away from those things as well. We don't need the trouble that comes along with all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Lord, we want to be uh, working and operating uh, within Your body in the place where we, that You have specifically designed, Lord, for us. And, uh, and Lord, so put us there. Put us there doing what you'd have us to do when we're supposed to be doing it, God, and it'll all work out perfect. We love you and we bless you in the name of Jesus.